Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, event sommelier, but I'm going to be taking that master's my exam next year, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm so glad you tuned in Saturday nights. It's, uh, you're probably at home or on your way to someplace deliciously fun. And uh, remember, um, get a designated driver when you're heading out, and then you can have more fun without, uh, <laughs> without the consequences, we hope. Except uh, be sure to hydrate when you're out there. And it is December. Ho, ho, ho. Wait, no, that's a different kind of ho, ho, ho. Uh, I'm, I never get to wall wall enough. I, I haven't been there all year. And I miss that. I miss the bucolic little township of Walla Walla. Of course, the place is nice. They named it twice. But um, I do have a lot of friends over there. And I am so thrilled to finally have uh, one of the, my favorite wineries um, and the owner and winemaker, Nina Beauty and Chris Dowsett. Um, hey, Nina, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks so much for having us. I'm super excited. You, I've got Kathy Bird here in studio. She brought some offerings to appease the gods and radio. <laughs> but I get a chance to chat with you. And um, last week I had a chance to chat with Laura Katana. And it's great to see women in wine um, because I tell you, guys just, you know, they, they don't want to chat. But let's talk about you. Nina Beauty, uh, you started Beauty Wine in 19... No, wait, 2001? 2000 square on the dot. 2000 square on the dot. That's right. And you came out with a nine was you came out with 98 wines, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we came out with many of the same wines we're making today. Um, we had a really clear vision of the vineyards we wanted to work with and the wines we wanted to make and uh, many of those same wines we're still making today. They've evolved over time. I think all good things do evolve. Uh, so they've grown and evolved, but um, really, the the vineyard um, collaborators, managers that we've worked with from the beginning, uh, and those delicious sites are are still very much a part of our portfolio. That's really fun. So uh, let's talk about beauty. The origin obviously started uh, doing commercial wine in two thousand. What bond were you? Oh my goodness! Well, in Walla Walla, we were the twenty fifth, ah. as far as I am aware. In Washington State, I believe we were. 307. Yes, and go figure. It's, I mean, back in 2000, 307, and it's tripled, which is uh, good for everybody. I think uh, it rises all boats if more people drink Washington wine and we can uh, elevate uh, this as the vineyards get older. Um, when did you first get into wine? You know, I was raised in a family that is of Italian American heritage. So uh, for me, all rituals, all holidays were gatherings of loved ones. Um, my mom's amazing Italian feast spread, uh, the Cafeton Army, and usually um, some sort of table wine. So the wine was never fancy, but it was always a big part of the gathering. And so we were able to experience that when we were young. Uh, and then I came out to Walla Walla to go to Whitman College in the early 90s. Uh, when there were, you know, eight to 12 wineries in Walla Walla, <laughs> uh, and developed a friendship with Rusty Figgins. He and a friend of mine were in a band together. Uh, really? 
Yeah. And what did Rusty so, play? He was he a drummer? Yes. That's well, right. Well, I think Rusty does several things, but uh, in that band, he was a drummer. That's fun. And so I got to know him pretty well, and he started uh, hosting Brown Bag uh, Blind Tastings for me and some friends. We couldn't afford to do it very often as college students, but uh, it was a whole lot of fun when we did. And uh, I just got bit by the bug of what Walla Walla is, the community here, the agriculture, the pace, and definitely the wine. Well, good for you, and uh, how fortuitous to actually uh, study there, have a great collegial feel, but also recognize that the town is just, I mean, everyone's so real and so sweet. Um, I know that it's getting bigger. We've got some luxury resorts being put in there now. But you you remain true to your roots. Aren't you still in the same facility you were before? I mean, this is you're out at the airport, right? That's true. We're at the airport district. We have been here since our first wines were available in September 2001. Uh, we've expanded a few years later into production space. So we have both our tasting room and our production space solely at the airport district. And then um, we grew in time to be able to buy land and plant our own estate. So we have the very common story of uh, buying an old apple orchard. This is pretty <laughs> typical in eastern Washington, um, and taking out the apples and, and beginning to plant vinifera. Well, that's so that what happens. they say, that's yeah. For us. Well, if apples grew there, wine will grow there too. <laughs> it's pretty neat. And um, you have some, I mean, there's this... There's this new AVA out there, uh, which uh, extends into Oregon. It's part of the sub-AVA of Walla Walla Valley. This is called the Milton, the Rocks District of Milton Freewater. Do you have vines under there uh, on your land? Yeah, in fact, um, the vineyard that I just uh, alluded to, or, or mentioned rather, uh, Rock Garden Estate, is squarely in the Rocks, or, or in the Rocks District of Milton Freewater. So that whole AVA is contained on the Oregon side of the Walla Walla Valley, and it's all alluvial floodplain. So basically we're, we're growing wine in an old riverbed, and mostly Rhone varieties, and we make a few wines based from that land. But it's a, it's a really unmistakable spot. It definitely has its own signature voice that region it's it's pretty special it's pretty special too when you see that kind of uh convex of, of uh, the soils the drainage the, the valley the river rocks the galettes it's either shedding up to pop or gimlet gravels in new zealand mm-hmm. um and countless others where they have that kind of timber i was just speaking with laura katana and she's talking about they are planting old riverbeds there in mendoza as well mm-hmm. so how many wines um so, so this is your 2018 will be your 18th vintage or 19th vintage it was our 19th vintage. 19th vintage. That's very cool. And you uh, you are now uh, representing the wine. Are you traveling at all? Are you um, working with distributors? I know be- being a small boutique winery, which you still are, but you've, you have a, several different brand extensions, right? You have something called the Beast? We do. Well, the alter ego naturally of beauty is Beast. <laughs> so we do make wine uh, called Beast. And, yeah, the wines are distributed they're certainly not ubiquitous, though, so we're really strategic about it. Um, you can find it, you know, in, in, in many wonderful uh, neighborhood wine shops and restaurants around um, Washington State and a few fine grocers. Um, and outside of Washington, we distribute as well, though, um, you know, they're, they're in a handful of places. It's certainly not everywhere. 
Uh, well, of course, and uh, you are a premium wine, and I've certainly had the pleasure of hosting your wines at the Rainer Club when I was down there. Yeah, um, that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I was actually there just the other night for uh, doing a, a class for their wine committee, which was great to return. And you're, they act like I'm a hero, which is <laughs> kind of cute. But, uh, you know, they're all old friends, which I look well, at. Well, you established a fabulous program there. Thank you very much. That was so fun. So you have um, obviously created a brand, an identity, and it's all about the vineyards. And do you have single vineyard wines? We do. In fact, that's really what we hang our hat on at Beauty, is making largely multi-variety blends from single vineyards. So all of our reds are that, and one of our two whites uh, are, are that. Um, we really enjoy being able to express the palette of what that particular vineyard is year after year. And I think it's the most critical decision we made when starting Beauty was uh, really giving a lot of thought to who are the people we want to partner with and uh, what are the vineyards we can work with that even in the cool years are going to be able to grow wines that meet the, the style vision that we have for our wines. And even in the warm years, we can do the same. Um, so there's some there's some really special places between the topography, the geology, and uh, the people, and all the various other aspects that go into terroir. So cool, so interesting too. That you know, I don't think in 2000, 2001, we were worried about global warming at the time. I think that was like a 2008 kind of thing, right? Or when. <laughs> uh, I would say there were some of us worried about it then, uh, but it certainly wasn't in the conversation as it is now. Yes, that's true. Well, you um, you started with some tutelage under Rick Small at Woodward Canyon, and now you have a um, a full time winemaker for uh, Beauty, and his name is. Oh, we're so delighted to be able to work with Chris Dowsett. He is our longtime winemaker now. He he joined our team in two thousand nine. That's very cool, and I, I know that Chris has his own project, Dowsett Family Wines, and he has a big thumbprint on there. I think that's his thumb, but hey, mm-hmm. Chris, Chris Dowsett, you there? I am here. Hey, yes. welcome to Happy Hour, pal. So you guys are actually in Walla Walla now on this beautiful Saturday night. Um, Walla Walla's booming, and have you guys been to Heritage Resort yet? I have. Is it cool? It's really beautiful. They did a lovely job. It's very aesthetic. Nice. And how far away is it from downtown? Because, I, like I said, I haven't been there all year, so I don't know. Well, by Walla Walla standards, <laughs> it's out in the country. <laughs> by uh, King County standards, it's it just takes a blink of an eye to drive there. It's about 12 minutes. Yeah, I love speeding on the highway. Uh, and there's no traffic. <laughs> there's no traffic. <laughs> yeah, I always keep my lights off when you know I leave those places. Uh, anyway, um, so fun. So why did you choose Chris Dowsett? Why did I mean you have being in Walla Walla and understanding that um, you have a host of winemakers, a great technology center there with Walla Walla Community College. Um, what about what what is it that you liked? I mean, obviously it's a relationship, and that what counts because you have to be able to communicate and and sort of. You know, give and take, I, I would assume. Um, I think when you're a one-stop shop like Coral Wines, <laughs> you get to make all the decisions, for better or worse. But um, what drew you to Chris? Well, it is a relationship. I think you really hit your finger on the head there. Um, I think Chris and I have very aligned um, wine visions and wine palettes. I think our palettes complement one another really well. Um, I think Chris is really drawn to a lot of the vineyards and the folks that farm them that we work with and the kinds of wines we're making stylistically. Um, I feel very fortunate to be able to work with Chris because, you know, we only have one shot every year at growing our vintage and making our vintage. And Chris has been in the industry 
since she was a wee lad. And uh, <laughs> when he had hair, you're saying that's what that means. an amazing amount of perspective that he brings, and he also has a dear uh, love for white wines, as I do. And you know, beauty is very much about whites and reds, and he gives lots of attention and love and thought to the whole of our portfolio. And he's just all around. I mean, anybody who knows Chris, granted I'm biased, but anybody that knows Chris in the business or outside business knows what an amazingly kind, approachable person he is. So I just feel very lucky. Well, finally, good to meet one of those cats in, you know, in rural country Washington. I'm glad you have some nice beeps down there. Uh, Chris, I'm going to get to you in just a moment. I'm going to come back from the no break problem. because we're going to um, crack some of the wines, and I'm going to get your take on, on your philosophy and, and how your experience has sort of evolved. And I think that's that's true for any professional. We, we continue to evolve. We want to learn and, and understand, and, and no two vintages are alike. Nina, is there... Um, a, uh, a big release party? Do you have anything going on in December or January? Or is it, you know, is it Hawaii? <laughs> mm, well, the first weekend of December is always um, Holiday Barrel uh, weekend, which is a weekend that we like to say thank you. Um, in particular, say thank you. Uh, lots of wineries have donations um, that they take in, uh, that, that they then uh, share back with the community. Um, January, I'll be honest, is the perfect month to come if you are the kind of wine taster uh, or restaurant goer that really wants to have some nice elbow space. (laughs) Maybe have a more leisurely tasting uh, or, you know, have some more intimate conversations with those folks that you meet out in wine country Um, because it is, you know, it's a cooler month. It is. It's very cool. I know a lot of stuff's going on. And uh, January is the chance to get out there. And I, I think what the challenge is, everyone has that sort of, okay, I got to tighten the belt. I got to, <laughs> if you can't tighten the belt, uh, I got to ease on the budget and all this stuff. But really, I mean, the holidays are great, but it's so busy for people. And I don't want to, to uh, deter them from coming to Walla Walla. In fact, I should be out there probably next month. Oh, it's <laughs> so. just the perfect month to sit in front of the fire. You know, go wine tasting, bring back some treasures, have some pate, some cheese. Oh, man. All right. What's yeah. time? Uh, what's time? I'll be there in five hours. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Nina Beauty, this has been a, such a pleasure. I, I thank you for sharing. Um, I want you to stick on the line, but we're going to chat with Chris, and you can chime in on, on some of the wines. I'm here with Kathy Bird right here at uh, 570 KVI and Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, talk radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, folks, hope you're having a great Saturday night, uh, headed someplace delicious or cozying and, and home entertaining, perhaps. I know what it is, December. And uh, it's there's no better time to actually open those bottles of wine that you've been saving for. for it's all about pleasure and, of course, uh, moderation. Uh, and I'm pleased to speak with one of the, my favorite wineries, Beauty Winery. I have uh, Nina Beauty, who is uh, the founder and owner, and Chris Dowsett, who is the winemaker. Chris, Welcome to Happy Hour. 
Great to talk to you tonight. Yeah. How are you? Oh, well, I've got uh, three bottles. Actually, i got four bottles of wine and a half a <laughs> fifth of vodka here. So. Perfect. <laughs> Another Saturday night in the studio at Happy Hour Radio. Um, well, tell me about your winemaking chops. How did you get interested in wine, Chris? Um, I actually grew up on the west side of Oregon, so out uh, west of Portland, eventually ending up towards the Willamette Valley around Hillsborough Forest Grove area. And my family had been moving kind of west of Portland as Portland expanded and found an old rundown house that had a little vineyard on it and just thought that'd be something that'd be great for my sister and I and my parents to kind of spend a little extra time on. And so we started off there with a small vineyard and eventually kind of let it grow a little bit and then started <laughs> a little winery with some partners and then I actually went off to Oregon State and studied, um, uh, started microbiology, moved over to horticulture, which was a great program at the time. We didn't have fermentation science in Oregon State back in, uh, let's just say, a couple of years ago. And <laughs> we uh, really had a strong horticulture department, and they had a lot of great exchanges. And one of the things I got to do was go to Australia for a year and study wine science down there. So... I really got to see a little bit of each side in the vines. and um, Was that Adelaide, NYU. or was it... Yeah, actually, down around Adelaide at Roseworthy College, and it became the University of Adelaide. They merged with it about a year and a half after I was there, and it was really a strong program and very practical, and really kind of realized I didn't know as much as I thought I knew, so <laughs> it was a good chance to you know, decide to maybe spread my wings a little bit, spend about five years in California. Really? And then, I mean, like, make it in the wine biz, right? In the wine biz? Yeah, exactly. Oh, drop some names. Where were you Where were you up? hanging out? Were you down in San Luis Obispo? Were you in Santa Barbara? Were you in Napa, Sonoma? Were you in Mendocino? I started in Napa and spent about three years there, did a couple of vintages, and then... Um, Started working at uh, the sparkling winery Shramsburg, oh, and then Davies family. That was kind of where I definitely knew I wanted to move indoors, not be kind of splitting vineyards and and wineries, and then uh, moved over to Healdsburg in the Sonoma Valley and spent a couple of years there before coming back up to the Northwest. Did you have a what was the name of the wine brand from Oregon that you were producing with your partners? We started the Laurel Ridge. Brand, which uh, I remember that David Hill. Yeah, um, actually lived in the house up on David Hill. So, yeah. So, what what has been your most rewarding wine experience? Has it been in Adelaide? Was it in Washington? Was it in Oregon? Was it? Wow, I think when you you go far away, because at that point, you know, to be honest, it was really the late '80s when I was in Oregon, and a lot of the wineries were doing kind of similar things. You know, we were all doing a lot of work with Pinot Noir and a little bit of white, and it was all pretty traditional, small, a lot of estate vineyards that the winery was on site. And to go to Australia where it was just a totally different world and there were no preconceived notions about anything. You could blend grapes together. You could make wines with with machines you could do all sorts of things and just that was very eye-opening and realized how like i said how little i actually knew and so it's been one of the great things about the wine industry is i mean wow i'm on harvest 
35 or 36, something like that. Yet we still have something that keeps your interest. Like you see something new every year. It might not be huge, but you still learn things or you taste something new or you, you perfect something that you've been trying to do for 10 years, you know, things like that. Ah. Has there been perfection in your life? Have you made a wine that you thought was perfect? <laughs> Boom! That's right. Yeah. That's why we bottle. When and it's this perfect, vintage we, was we say, the this best. Is time. This is perfect. Throw it in bottle. And if it isn't, you don't bottle it. You just uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, doctor it up. Well, so fun to speak with Nina Beauty, uh, the founder of Beauty Wines, and uh, Chris Dowsett, who is the winemaker. I have Kathy Bird here. Kathy poured me um, one of my favorite wines, which was really, uh, I believe, when I first tasted uh, white Bordeaux from Washington State. I think it was Charbonneau Vineyard. And uh, uh, with uh, Rick Small and Woodward Canyon. And I know that I remember back in the day when Nina came out with uh, this beautiful Semillon Sauvignon Muscadel blend. You know, it was that Charbonneau White that was the direct inspiration yeah. domestically for this wine. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Rick made beautiful uh, Semillon Sauvignon based wine for decades. And um, as I blind tasted White Bordeaux, it was the it was the blends that contained muscadel that I was most captivated by. Cool. So we were finally able to add that to our interpretation uh, over time, which for us was was really exciting. I'm curious. Chris, have you worked with muscadel before? You know, I hadn't. It's really um, a very uncommon grape in America. You know, I had I had tasted quite a few fortified ones in Australia. Um, oh, yes. Make, you know, they made late... Uh, fortified muscats, but they also made one they used to call Tokay, and now they've had to change that name as right. well. Right, yeah. And the Tokays were Campbell's, actually made from Muscadel. So that had been really my only introduction to it. But um, it's, the stickies, it's they not call them. unlike a lot of the uh, aromatic white wines that we all love. It's got some great acidity and really some amazing floral characters, yeah. Well, Kathy Bird, um, this wine is available where here in Washington, in Seattle? Oh, we have really good distribution, McCarthy and Shearing, Esquin. Um, we can find it probably at uh, Pike and Western. Perfect. Wine shops. You're better wine shops, which is, is very heartening to know because, folks, if you haven't met your local wine shop owner or stewards, go meet some. These are the <laughs> these people, you know, we all love values. I mean, who wants to overpay? Anybody could overpay at a restaurant, but you want to find something that delivers um this is one of the wines and i say uh, uh, nina and chris this one has a little more pineapple tropical note which i didn't necessarily expect but i pr- prefer that because i'm not a big sauvignon blanc fan for the pyrazines and all the perhaps the braised onion kind of notes but this is delicious this is what's the alcohol here kathy I'm going to defer to Nina on that, or I could look at I the bottle. 14.5. Yeah, there we go. I said that, folks, because the bottle's the right The bottle was right there, there so <laughs> just a little out of my... Uh, so well, so... I, I'll point out, though, that it's, you know, you're tasting in 2015, which is the warmest vintage we have on record, and the alcohol's 14.5. I'll be surprised. You know, I am surprised. I've tasted a bunch of 2015s, and knowing that it was the hottest vintage on record... So many wines were really in balance. I was really blown away. I picked it to be, you know, like a 2009 when it was just hot and no one knew what to do with it. But here, 2015, it was been getting warmer and warmer every year. So people recognize their vignerons recognize that, hey, we have to do some of this stuff. Um, this is a delicious wine, and I, this is probably a great Thanksgiving wine because you've got the balance. Is it mostly neutral oak? All neutral oak. Yeah, we actually do this wine um, in a combination of 
actually we have a, a, a square cube con- shaped concrete tank and that usually sees anywhere from 40 to 60 percent of that and then the barrels themselves are hardly ever new we've occasionally added one new barrel um, this one has zero percent new oak in 15 and just really showcase those flavors we get out of the vineyard and not try and bury them in anything and not try and put too heavy a hand on it either yeah well it's fantastic what vineyards go into making the beauty uh what's called what's it called so we give it the whole mouthful, Chris. Semillon, Sauvignon Blanc, and Muscadel. All right. The SSM. SSM. There you go. Uh, well, yeah, it's... we've been working with a couple of vineyards for um, years and years and just loved what we get out of a site that uh, is up in the Wallach Slope called Rosebud Ranch. We get some great Semillon from up there. They're planted in the early 80s and really these tree trunk of Semillon vines that really can produce rich wines but still hold some great acidity and then we get a little more semillon from dick boucher who's got a cooler site down in the yakima valley well, dick boucher is cool all around isn't he he's one of the greatest guys in the industry <laughs> here yeah we really love working with him and um, uh, i'm super impressed i think se- I, i've always championed semillon and for whatever reason it never caught on i mean i'll have the semillon i mean that just rolls off the tongue uh but this is really a beautiful expression of that blend. I love the Semillon for the richness and oiliness. Um, the Sauvignon Blanc gives you acid. And then, of course, Muscadel, I don't know what that gives you, but it's delicious. <laughs> it has so much floral and acidity. So what, one of the things we love about the Muscadel is that even in these small amounts, you know, sometimes we're down like 5 7%. This one's up to 12 because of the, the warmth of the year. We could use more for more acidity, but the floral character really helps to open up this wine when it's first opened, when the bottle's cold, when it's really young. You get those characters, and then the semillon kind of washes through for you with that fig and honey and that oiliness that you talk of. Yeah, so it's really a great tool for that because we, truthfully, we love aging our whites. And That's good. We love what they do, but we also realize some of them get drunk tonight. <laughs> <laughs> this is true, and I'm enjoying it at this temperature. Hey, folks, I've got Chris Dowsett and Nina Beauty and Catherine Bird of Beauty Wineries right here on Happy Hour Radio. Stick around. we got more coming up. i got red wines to taste. Start your day the right way. The Commute with Carlson, live and local, weekdays 6 to 9 a.m., Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. (laughs) That's me. How lucky for thee. I I have the pleasure of speaking with some fabulous people from Walla Walla and from Seattle. who have been in the industry a long time. It's Nina Beauty, Chris Dowsett, and Catherine Bird. All three are participating in this wonderful project called Beauty Winery. It's been around since 2001 was the first release commercial. I know it started in 2000, but that's how bonds go. And uh, I just, you know, trying to gloat with my, I thought I was right the first time, but I was corrected by Nina. So uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed this beautiful white wine. It was Sauvignon Blanc, Semillon, or sorry, Semillon, Sauvignon Blanc, and Muscadel. Um, it's just called the SSM. This is <laughs> like it sounds, but I have two glasses of red here. Nina, we're going to talk about the Red de Viva of the, or the Columbia Red de Viva. What's the background of this wine? Yeah, well, like we were discussing earlier, wine is so much about relationship. So this is a wine that comes from Finney Hill Vineyard in the Horse Heaven Hills. 
Uh, it comes from the landform called Finney Hill, uh, which is one of the more prominent hills up there. It's the same flank that grows Shampoo Vineyard, another vineyard we know and love well. Um, Finney Hill uh, rises to the top of the hill and drops over the western side of it. And for years standing at Shampoo Vineyard in the 90s, we wondered, when are those folks across the street going to realize what a great Cabernet site they have and pull out their apples? Ah. <laughs> and in 99, they did just that. And we met Dick and Cheryl Bechtel, who have lived on that land and, and farmed um, nearby uh, for decades before, before planting their own land. Uh, so they started planting Cabernet in 99, and we contracted for five acres of those first Cabernet plantings. Um, so that is uh, the core of what makes up the Columbia Red Aviva, or those five acres of Cabernet. They went on to plant uh, a little bit of Syrah for us, two different clones of Syrah. You know, one of the major catalysts for starting beauty was, wow, in Washington we grow such amazing Cabernet. Um, there's so much power and um, complexity in our cab, and at the same time, the Syrah is completely alluring in Washington. Um, really great, uh, you know, grace and um, just a really compelling profile. What will the summation of these two be together? You know, there isn't a huge history of those two grapes being blended in the old world, but there is some in Australia and the South of I France. think the Bordelais was cheating at one point. They actually added Syrah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we very transparently started exploring the summation of those. Uh, so uh, the Columbia Red Aviva is the Cabernet-focused blend that we make of Cab and Syrah from uh, that region. And Red Aviva, uh, Red Aviva is uh, named after a special... Named after a boat, actually. A boot. So the Yeah. So the Columbia was the first American boat to circumnavigate the globe. And uh, it was the second uh, globally, but uh, our first. Was that and the District of Columbus? Did they, they, they leave sail from there? Did they come to Washington? They leave from Washington State? Well, they sailed from Plymouth. So after that boat circumnavigated the globe, it was rebuilt in Plymouth and then given a new charter to Captain Gray. And he was asked to find I the love his passage. movies. <laughs> so he sailed down around South America, up the West Coast, and when he came to the Columbia River, he thought it was the Inside Passage, so he named it for his boat. And when I read the full name, Columbia Rediviva, Rediviva in Latin means revived. Ah. So it's that idea of the rebuilt boat. But Rediviva also looks like red life. And our uh, Finney Hill Vineyard wine, the Columbia Red Aviva, you can see the Columbia River from part of the vineyard. Um, and it is that river and all of its tributaries that really allow us to farm most crops in eastern Washington. It's so arid here. <laughs> so it was a bit of a... I love my corn, my yeah. asparagus. <laughs> yeah. A bit of a nod to the lifeblood of why we can do what we do, the water. Uh, it's all in the water, the aquavite, aquavite. Chris, so tell me, uh, what, how many time, how many years have you produced this particular wine for, uh, with Beauty? Well, I got here in 2009, so we've been doing it um, all. Uh, the The first one that was 100 uh, percent uh, Finney Hill came back in 06. So I had a couple library wines to work with to see what kind of style. We were doing what we really liked, what really worked, and so I think, you know, with the years since, we've had 
years like 9 and 13 and 15, which are really warm, and then we've had years like 10 and 11, which are really cool. And being able to see those years with this one wine and how consistent the fruit comes out of there, even though some years there may be a little more acid because it's cool or a little more tannin because it's warm, I think it's really been fun to work with, yeah. Well, I like acidity. <laughs> Wait, I said it wrong. <laughs> I like acidity of wine. Well, I we like, do, like too. It. You know, it's, it's one of the things that really drew us to the Horse Heaven Hills looking at wines like this because, you know, these are these are warm sites, but they do cool down from that river in the evenings. They get the wind that starts blowing in, and they do preserve more of that acidity because one of the things that you know, Nina really set up when she started doing this winery was she decided she didn't want to be adding water or acid. Hooray! Or yay! I know. So we had to find the sites that you could do that in in years that were really warm and years that were really cool. So, Well, I have to admit, you know, when I was a, when I was a sommelier, I'm still a sommelier. You know, when I first saw these these new blends, it was I know that some of it was prefaced by the idea that Washington State winemakers were were not fully understanding the potential of Syrah and producing it in a certain fashion. But I remember seeing Cab Syrah. It was like it's a little a bit of a, a disconnect. But I tell you, it works perfectly. This is a beautiful wine, and I'm sure this is available at uh, Esquin and uh, oh, Pike yeah. and Western and um, PCC. PCC, perfect. Um, we've got uh, Pete's. Oh, they yep. love. They're uh, huge beauty fans. Yeah, George King and so fun. Well, I, this is wine is delicious. I think it shows much better than the vintage because I'm worried that you know even my own back state. I'm worried that this was such a hot vintage. I'm worried about raisin nation. This is not. This is vibrant, delicious, dark, wow. deep, yeah. and uh, we had beautiful fruit that year. It yeah. did. Well, congratulations. All right, next wine is a Syrah. This is the. Uh, uh, the Red of Eva of the Stone? Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> I was trying to, I got so many damn wine bottles <laughs> open up here. Was... These are good problems, Chris. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, until my engineer gives me the evil eye. All right, so let's talk about the Syrah. Is this 100% Syrah? No, it's not. Um, it is a blend, but it certainly could be labeled as a Syrah. It's overwhelmingly Syrah, but we blend in a little bit of Movedra. I'm going to say Movedra, man. I tell you that. I get that white pepper coming out of there. It's like jumping out of the glass. <laughs> So fun. Is white is the so you've got how many plantings? How many different uh, grape varieties planted on the uh, the the rocks district for you? We have six. Six. Wow. All Rhone varieties except for a little bit of Cabernet. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they like to blend in. Um, so you've got Grenache, Syrah, Morvedra, Viognier. No, Roussan Marsan and Cabernet. And we have ah. three clones of Syrah, actually. So in some ways, I kind of I think of them almost as, you know, they're three different entities. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, Mo, Curly, and Larry, though, right? <laughs> uh, well, um, so overall, the vintage for this year, 2018 in Walla Walla, what's your impression, Chris? I think it's, it's really a pretty exciting year. We, um, we saw some good heat in the early season. You know, it was... The hottest May on record. So but I thought, but of, I thought break was late. It it started a little late, but once it came, and you know, when I say the hottest May on record, one of the things I have to qualify is that it wasn't a hundred degrees. It was a full month of beautiful days. You know, we didn't have a lot of fifty degree and rainy days through May. So, oh, you weren't well, living in Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we had wind and we had um, sunshine. 
And so things really got a good start. And then um, a pretty typical middle part of the year, summertime, and then we kind of started cooling down to the end, so it kind of slowed harvest down. And for us, to me, that's always a real plus. When With the different sites we have and all the different varieties we work with, the, the more I can be out there tasting vines and really deciding the perfect point to pick things, uh, that's when I'm happiest. Because it's that late it ripening. Is, oh, yeah. If it's late August, early September, and it's we're still hitting 100-degree days and such, you're really driving all over, really looking for that, you know, perfect point because truthfully when you don't add water or acid to your wines you really have to pick them (laughs) right in a snapshot of when you really find them perfect so in a year that cools down at the end it's really always the dream years for me well that's so fun to get the the vintage on record uh nina beauty and chris dowsett uh owner and founder and winemaker chris dowsett uh thanks so much for joining me in happy hour radio thank you for having us thanks so much yeah, it's been a pleasure. Um, I love the wines; they're available. You have to try Beauty. I mean, I mean, the name alone is like you know you've got you got the hook, and then the Beast. Yeah, they have great extensions. They've uh, the wines are very delicious, palatable, structured, uh, and smooth. And I think smoothness is something not to be overlooked when it comes to Washington wine or wine in general. Hey, folks, stick around. I'm going to chat with uh, Kathy Bird coming up right next on Happy Hour Radio. loud he's proud holding nothing back michael savage the savage nation weeknights nine to midnight talk radio 570 kvi now more kvi want to know weekends back to happy hour radio with christopher chan all right seattle hey welcome back time for a fourth and final segment and last but not least is the lovely Catherine bird she is uh well, let's find out. Hey, Kathy, welcome to Happy Hour. Hi. You were there in the distance pouring yes. my wine for me, so you are a sommelier in some sort, and I appreciate that, but uh, what do you really do? So I um, have been in the industry for many years and as a supplier working directly for wineries, and then in the, for the like the last six to seven years, I was working managing distributors. So I was uh, most recently the general manager at Noble Wines which had wonderful family brands. And I was having lots of meetings with my suppliers and my wineries and talking about things that we could do and ways we could help sell their wine. And I started to think to myself, hey, maybe I can, you know, do something different and uh, go off on my own and start a little company and, and help family brands be more successful through distribution direct marketing all of it and uh, so I started in in July and I'm working with five wineries including the wonderful uh, Nina and and Chris at beauty and um, and it's what's the name of the company it's called the real wine alliance the Um, real I mean like r-e-a-l right right (laughs) so we're talking about family brands um, a lot of grassroots kind of marketing a lot of authentic stories 
And in addition to myself, I also um, work with a photographer, Richard Duvall, who's very well known. Oh, no way. Yeah. And then I have a friend, uh, Jim Drake, who does uh, winery websites, who's very talented. Really? Yeah. And and then another friend who's actually on the retail side of it, Laura Houston, who has a a little wine shop up in Bothell called Bell and Bottle. But she does events and she helps very small wineries, um, many of which don't have distributors at all. So we kind of have a, a, a deep bench uh, in our little group and we're having a ton of fun working together and co-marketing each other and and trying to help wineries find their stories, basically. That's great. To share their stories, of course. And name of the company again is? It's called Real Wine Alliance. Real Wine Alliance. Not The Real Wine Alliance. Just Real Wine Alliance, yes. <laughs> These days, you got to be, you gotta be, you gotta be tra- taking it to some crazy site, right. you know, and next yes. thing you know, you're what are you doing? I don't right, know, right. I, the real. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. Well, you actually obviously had, um, in distribution, you had a chance to taste many European mm-hmm. wines. Uh, in the world of wine, if you will, and knowing that Washington State has, has grown, uh, we've both witnessed it. Of course, I've been in the business since 97 in, in the wine business, and gosh, that's 20-plus years, which is half a lifetime for most wineries. You think right. about it, because we're talking about uh, 250 wineries in 1997 or something like yep. that. I think it was 95 when they did it. Um, but it's cool. So when you think about family wineries, I mean, seriously, it's about... A family. There's mm-hmm. people behind it. There's a passion. There's an ideological uh, ideology, and there's a philosophy. And to capture that and translate it, I mean, these days we have messages on every single device that is electric. Right. Everything is is it could be a bus. It could be a. You know, it's just so many impressions. But seldom do we have the time to really relax and and just listen and learn. And mm-hmm. I always thought that Happy Hour Radio could bring those stories to life. Of course, it's better with wine. Um, but let's talk about your portfolio. Who do you have? Yeah, so I've got, um, of course, Beauty, um, Reininger, which is also in Walla Walla, Matthews, which uh, the tasting room right up here in Woodenville, but the winery is also in Walla Walla. Um, I have Townsend out of Spokane. Don and, Townsend. Now, that's uh, a cat. Yeah. And his actually, his, his sons are running it now, Michael yes, and Brendan. So right. it's it's kind of fun working with the second generation. It's so fun. I know that the, those are one of the early wineries. I mean, he yeah, was right. probably 98 or 97. Yeah. Um, yep. And to see him ha- have a succession plan, which is really gratifying to know that, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, Dad, I wasn't a doctor, but um, I like to play doctor. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> no, they're wonderful. And then finally, um, Disruption Wine Company, and that's uh, an Andrew Lada um, project. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Um, and who's she's who's the lady with Andrew Lada? That's, uh... It was um, Jana Rinker that was working yes, with him, but, but she's she w- actually doing something else now, too. Yes. Yeah, all friends. We're all friends. So that's. Of uh, course. Yes. So exciting. So it's uh, the real wine. Al- no, the real, real wine real alliance. Real wine alliance.com. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah. just about, you know, trying to help people tell their stories and to sell more wine and to have more fun doing it. Well, the only way to sell more wine is to drink more wine, right, right. folks? <laughs> hey, that's what we espouse here on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, wow, what a day. Um, what a great chance to talk to, with Nina, who is really salt of the earth, or I should say sugar of the earth. Sugar of the earth, <laughs> right? I mean, she's so sweet. And then Chris Dowsett, who, you know, he was such an, uns- an unassuming gentleman. You don't know that he was in Adelaide and studying. He was down in Australia. He was down in Oregon. He was down in California. The guy got a lot of chops. And, and that's what makes um, that experience lends itself to fashioning great wines. That's why a lot of these 
projects include winemakers from out of state, from out of the country. We've got some French cats here now. We've got some Spanish cats, I think. Uh, of course, the, the California cats are coming up, too. But Cat the Bird, realwinealliance.com. Thanks for sharing the story Thank on Happy Hour so Radio. Much. My pleasure. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed the show. If you ever missed one, it's happyhourradio.net. It's a website. And uh, check us on iTunes and SoundCloud. I hope you have a great weekend. And remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!